Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast, can at times contain adult language and themes. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. We are your humble hosts, Joe and Martin, two pop culture nerds dedicated to telling entertainment history before it's forgotten too soon. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog for more information on the show. We also love to hear from you. Write us at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's get to dissecting. We are not going to be able to record today. No. Nope. <laughs> Nope. It's it's just uh, me. This and we're gonna slide into power of the night anytime now. Right? Yep. Power of the night. Oh it keeps on <laughs> calling. Oh wait. I think oh, we might better mute. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. That's the opening. We've started. That was planned. <laughs> All right, I'll begin. I'll begin. Hello, fellow pop culture nerds, and welcome back to Digital Dissection, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look at our favorite properties, creators, and topics. Today, we're clearly in the seated position to talk about movies. Now, you may be thinking, you talk movies all the time. What makes this so special? Well, you mind your tongue if you ask the exact question that I typed out just in time for this recording. We aren't just gabbing about movies today. No. In honor of summer camps beginning officially in just a few weeks, we're going to be talking about campy movies. That's right, we're diving into some of our favorite campy horror flicks, which have to fall into a pretty specific criteria to qualify. Now, before we do that, however, we do have some special guests we'd like to reintroduce you to. Devotees of this program will remember that from Season 1, Episode 18, Bowed of the Verse, we featured these fine folks. They're a wife and husband team, one who is a classically trained musician, and one who is not. They offer their opinions on film scores and are the hosts of Measuring the Score. We welcome back Chris and Leslie. How are we doing tonight? Uh, do we want to be honest or we just want to, you know? <laughs> <laughs> We're good. Yeah. As She's good. I'm tired. So. And slightly yeah. warmer than, than, than we were hoped. You yes, hope to unfortunately. Be, but... In the deep south, it's already hit ninety degree mark. Yes. yes. Wow. And then, and then in this house, the um, upstairs AC is cursed. It was like, oh, you're doing a podcast tonight upstairs? Yeah, yeah no, you're not. You're going no. downstairs tonight. So, <laughs> go upstairs and the temperature reads eighty eight. Oh, oh. This is gonna be fun. Ooh, well, yeah, maybe, that maybe... that number is like should be reserved for Deloreans trying to go back in time and right? someone's house. <laughs> We'll attach like a GoFundMe to this episode that'll link directly to the the AC fund for Chris yeah. and Leslie, and and probably like a nice like um in the arms of the angels like slideshow of the old air conditioner. <laughs> oh man, I, do not mention that because I work at a TV station and I was the overnight master control guy, and about two or three in the morning, I'm trying to you know keep my eyes open and everything else. All of a sudden, that would pop up in the oh, arms of an angel yep. and the mm -hmm. you know the saddest looking dogs in the world i'm just like <laughs> all and it would be at that point i'm like all right i gotta go get some coffee 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 quite the legacy for Sarah McLachlan now. Is that like when her when her normal claim to fame and actual music talent is now like not a thing anymore because it's not the '90s. It's just that song at one in the morning and, and sad dogs. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, she's getting royalties. She's yeah, getting royalties. That's true. That's good. Well, I mean, yeah. since we are doing doing campy movies, I know Mark and I very frequently talk about how. We used to, you know, roast marshmallows around the fires of Camp Wakanda, um, a place that neither of us ever been because it's it's definitely not real. Have any of us ever actually like, gone to summer camps before? Was this a thing for any of us growing up? I didn't go to summer camp. I went to what they call field school when I was doing my um, degree in geology. It was one of our last classes, and it kind of was like a summer camp. We, we we camped out for almost a month because we were mapping out crops. But when you get a bunch of geologists out in the field in the summertime in tents, you have a lot of drinking mm-hmm. and shit goes and a down. A lot of drunk people, right? Right. <laughs> it was serious stuff, man. Serious stuff, but not as a kid. <laughs> or as a, you know, young adults, a very young adult. <laughs> geologists couldn't get, you know loose and crazy oh boy the stories that she has never shared (laughs) i hear that scientists do it in their genes and that's genes with a g (laughs) all right i'll show myself out i'm sorry that was awful i remember we were camping one time and uh my professor i think he was he's diabetic i think he had a sugar problem but he got drunk off a boxed wine of all things, he's drinking box wine in the camp <laughs> at night. <laughs> oh man! And he wanted to play truth or dare with the students. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> That's a horror movie in itself, right there. Very I interesting. How one starts? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I mean, just keep the teacher sitting there. Who wants to play truth or dare? Not me. <laughs> Weirdo. They were all drunk <laughs> off a of box wine. And I was not because I was thinking, oh God, if something happens, what if us, one of us gets bit by a snake? You know, because we've got rattlers down here and all sorts of, you know, poisonous yeah. things, moccasins. We were on the water. I'm like, what's going to happen? Who's going to drive us out of here? And the adults with degrees are not in a condition to literally do anything, let alone suck the venom out of a out of a out of a wound or drive anyone anywhere. So that's what I said. I'm like, nope, not me. I'm gonna go sleep. <laughs> did, you, did you hear off in the distance? Shh, shh, shh. No. <laughs> but hey, as soon as that court case is wrapped up, we'll be able to discuss who was actually involved in it. <laughs> so be on the lookout. <laughs> Well, well Joe, twenty years ago, so okay. <laughs> yeah, the statute of limitations is passed. <laughs> exactly. Well, I I have not actually been to a summer camp before. The uh, closest that I've actually been to is a uh, a camp for my like ninth grade, like you know, church group or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to to show me the light, and it just blinded me, and so I didn't see it until I was a man. But <laughs> I uh, ripped my pants going over an obstacle course, and it was the only pair of pants I had with me, so that was fun. Yeah, you um, can imagine you weren't exactly revved up like a deuce at that point. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I I had to haphazardly use the sewing kit they had there to stitch up the jeans. 
and that had to last me two more days. So yeah. <laughs> did you get a sewing badge oh. for that? <laughs> did you get a sewing badge? No, no, that's the Boy Scouts. No, oh, no, my bad. <laughs> no badge. I just got Catholic guilt for my time. So that sounds good. about right. Good. It's very fun. So yes, that's all I got. But Joe, are you going to walk us through the history of camp? Because I feel like looking at these notes here. Is it something you had planned on doing? Yeah, yeah. It's something that I definitely, uh, it steered in a direction that I was not seeing. Because when we think of of camp or campiness, uh, where do our minds usually go with this? Tents. Tents. Cabins, maybe. Woods. Ideally cabins. Oh my gosh. Jason Voorhees, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so ticks. 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 Oh my God, so many ticks. Oh, Oh, Red bug. Oh wait, it. that's the south. I don't yeah, know yeah, what no. it is up there, but yeah. <laughs> was that? Was you say bed bugs? Red bugs. Red bugs. Okay, I'm like bed bugs. I'm like, oh no. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're camping you? in a hotel. That's a total possibility. <laughs> oh, well, wow. I don't know if they're in the same family, but they're chiggers. Really, they burrow into skin and then they itch and oh. then yeah, you get welts and it's just they nice. might that's be sci-fi movie where it's going to mm-hmm. be giant chiggers coming after everybody. <laughs> oh, See, that checks. That works out because. That's where most of us usually go when we think of campy movies, or even the term campy, uh, means you kind of have this, um, you know, exaggerated, uh, really anything. It's outrageous. It's inappropriate, kind of out of date, but at the same time, very amusing. So we typically think of like 60s horror movies or 60s like uh, serials like Buck Rogers, where things are just kind of outlandishly big. So whether those be like, you know, some like insects that are just walking around and we're all like nah, nah. Now, or... hold on now joe since we're audio and a video program for those of you not watching the video joe just kind of did the the like oh i'm about to be killed before the commercial break on star trek in the original series ah. yeah sorry we have to visually describe these that's things. true now that that's this is this is an option that you may be missing out on if you are i, uh, I was just going to leave the silence in there i would describe him he looked like a mime trapped in a box yeah yeah trying to get out of the box this is perfect i love that we've added video now (laughs) (laughs) to our listeners though to our listeners for like that three seconds they're like what the fuck is going on i have no idea what's going on there's no cues well i was looking at him i still couldn't understand it (laughs) nope Mm-hmm. I never would have made it as an actor in the 1960s. I don't know if I'd make it now. Obviously, if I, if you don't, this is my my terror. Now, for he's those of you listening at again. home, he's doing the look again. Yes, uh, just in case for those of you that, that, that want he's the description. His fingers up in the air, yeah. like yes. he's tickling the air. <laughs> so, and that's frightened at the same time. In which right, case, yes, you may think that my behavior was quite campish in itself. Uh, oh, with how ridiculous no. it was just there. But yeah, that's usually what we think of. But believe it or not, this is actually a 19th century term to mean all of those things, but also was used to describe gay men at the time. Really? Yeah. Wow. You referred to a, a man um, who is typically dressed in a corset in a dress with extra makeup as he is so camp right now. Uh, it's a French mm. term. These are also the same people who brought you the scoring system for the game of tennis which I love to play, but makes zero sense. How you go from love to 15 to 30 to 40 to winning. Wow. It makes any sense if you don't think about it. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and that actually, it's stuck. <laughs> 
And it actually pretty much stuck with that connotation literally until about the 1960s, where it was used kind of um, in tandem with each other, whether it was meaning uh, this new pop culture term of this over-the-top kind of ridiculous behavior where something is so cheesy and so bad that it's actually good, while also at the same time uh, still being used to describe gay men. But that's also where we start to see the term kind of lean a lot more towards talking about pop culture and movies. And so it starts to separate itself from that around this time as well. So by the time you even hit like the 70s or 80s, no one's using camp anymore to really describe um, homosexual males. It's just, you know, horror movies or science fiction movies at this point. So would you think then that that term would be kind of indirectly related to the term absurdity? Kind of absurd? Oh, maybe. Because all that stuff that you just described is kind of absurd in a way. It's true. It really maybe is. Maybe a synonym, maybe? It might be. I, I just went off of Merriam-Webster's like nice long article that they had off of that. And I, I, I think I saw... Before I went to them, I actually saw like another website where I, I saw it again being used as, as this term for that. And I'm like, really? I have to check this website. I'm not, I've never heard of it for that use before. So hey. I had to like look around, check a few things. I'm like, well, unless, you know, Merriam and Webster themselves, the Dukes of the Dictionary, the Dutch, <laughs> the Duchesses of, of, of words, um, they might be making this up as they go along. But you know what? They've got me convinced. Yeah, it I, seems I like that's. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was just going to mention it's it's probably a good idea to mention that. I'm sorry, uh, Joe. I called the other yeah. Joe. Sorry. <laughs> okay, it's okay. The, the the uglier of the two. Just remember, the uglier of the two is me. It's been a long day, guys. I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm like, wait a minute. I did that twice. I did that twice. Yeah. If you if you look at my my window and you turn away quickly, just remember that's Mark. That's me. It'll be good. Um, but I, I guess the, the the big thing to focus on here is that uh, definitely don't use that term anymore. No, not for that. Uh, that's, no. that's, that's not good for anybody. Uh, so happy we moved on from that. But but uh, Campy, yeah, definitely has retained that, that moniker for movies because I, I can't remember hearing another way to really describe these these films mm -mm. Uh, in, in my travels. I don't know about, about Chris and Leslie. What do you think? Well, I mean, every time I think of a campy horror movie, I think of something, you know, on the verge of comedic or or so outlandish that it's like, come on, they really went there. Mm -hmm. uh, case in point, I've scored a campy movie, Snake Out of Compton for, you know, I mean, <laughs> when I when I got that one down, I'm like, this is this is what I'm doing. Uh, okay. All right, that works. <laughs> and, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is a real movie. You can watch it. Snake out of Compton. Not kidding. It's about a giant snake in, in Compton. Compton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so. In case, you, in case you didn't really get that from the title, and it's a parody. Yeah, the the, the title's mysterious. I'm I mm -hmm. I still exactly. feel like I need, I need to do homework to understand what's going on here. <laughs> I mean, it says snake, but really, it could be any reptile. We don't know. There might be a spider in there. I can't remember. It's been so long. Mad scientist. Who knows? No, that is in there. I know. <laughs> they don't. Well, they do now. They don't. <laughs> well, I guess now that we've gotten like kind of like the uh, the 
the dictionary definition as well as the kind of like how the term evolved, I think it's only fair that we start talking about some of our favorite campy movies and um, a little bit about them as well as uh, why, why we like them so much. So at this point in time, um, I did have our guests going first, but I will allow you to pass and put Mark on the spot if you really want to. <laughs> Uh, should, should we do a sidebar, Leslie? I don't know. He doesn't look too happy about that idea. <laughs> it's okay. Hang He's on, in the on. void. There's nothing he can do. He can't hurt you. Hold on. Sidebar. Sidebar. <laughs> All right. So we're going to let Mark go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, this is uh, this is not the first time I've had to go first, so it's not a big deal. Uh, fortunately for me, I do have – I've, I've brought more than one, right? But in honor of our friend Ed, who's uh, over at the 80s movie podcast, who actually had worked for this studio at one point in time, I just have to mention a very special film called Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. <laughs> I've heard of this movie. That's yep. trauma. I've right? never seen this movie. That's a, oh. yeah, that's trauma, Bill. This is absolutely a Troma Films exclusive. <laughs> wow. I'm sure exclusive they, is bolded and underlined to let everyone know no. this what film is coming from nowhere but Troma. Hey, forget about it, okay? This is a 2006 black comedy directed by the legendary Lloyd Kaufman. And I wanted to mention uh, uh, Ed specifically because, you know, he actually worked with Lloyd uh, back in the day. He was, I don't oh, know nice. if you guys knew this, <laughs> part, part of our, our Twitter podcast fam, but this movie, uh, believe it or not, took six years to go from script to screen. Uh, and Lloyd Kaufman and his wife, yeah, dude, they, they spent their own money to produce this $500,000, okay? Which sounds like a lot of money, but it really doesn't the moment you actually start watching this film. I don't know where the money went, but that's, <laughs> that's beside the point. Now, this movie almost... Uh, <laughs> It almost earned back its 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 budget actually, uh, earning twenty two thousand six hundred twenty three dollars in theaters. You'll notice that's nowhere close to earning back its budget, but hey, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> the the most shocking data from this though, it somehow has a sixty four percent certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That is insane. <laughs> Considering I've never seen it. <laughs> You think that everybody well, had seen this movie? I, I used to like when I would get on the internet a lot uh, back in the day. Before, I mean, back when it was on just computer, you didn't have it on your phones and everything else. I would check out Fangoria.com all the time, and they were talking about this movie so much. I was going, "Okay, I just hear about it so much, I don't even want to watch it now." Yeah, <laughs> I never saw it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, actually, Chris, that's exactly where I originally read about this this movie. Um, a lot of the the horror like the horror fans out there, like you mentioned back in the day, we we were going to these websites and getting the previews. Right. And this this movie uh, ended up actually being one of the trailer movies on uh, the Cannibal the Musical film by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, <laughs> right? Um, distributed by Troma Films, but uh, produced by you know Trey Parker and Matt Stone at the University of Colorado Boulder. And so I remember reading about this, and then years later when i would purchase the cannibal the musical film all of a sudden i went holy crap i remember this <laughs> i can't believe it actually got made 
and it looks brutal. So here's the here's the the, the scoop on this film. Okay, so a, a, a New Jersey chicken fast food restaurant is built on a sacred Native American burial ground, which uh, is a, an amazing, amazingly good idea. And the intro for this film takes place uh, in this this burial ground before the restaurant actually is built. And it shows two teenagers attempting to have sex. Now, attempting is a very important distinction oh. uh, because it's it's not quite going according to plan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so fully earning its R rating. Uh, during this sequence, uh, a zombie hand actually pokes up out of the earth between these lovers and <laughs> plays a game with the, the male half of this sandwich. Uh, <laughs> trying to figure out how to describe this without fully using our explicit rating. But let's just say it involves an exit hole and a couple of fingers. Oh, yeah. All the while, yeah. All the while, the man off screen is watching these two and he is servicing himself. We'll just put it that way. So off off to a really good start, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is this is how most family films begin. So I I was just watching this. X in its rating at this point already. (laughs) It's a. It's a little jarring when when you turn this on and you go, where could this go from here? <laughs> like, what? Yep, what's next? Must yeah. go up. Yep. <laughs> oh, no, the no, only no, direction. No, no. It went oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not right. Yeah. It, Your play of words are horrible. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, Sorry, it's I'll, a... I'll just, I'll just go, go away now. No, no. I, I prefer you keep this up. <laughs> It really is a week, a week's worth of stacked dishes. You just lift another one up, and something else spills out, and each one just makes you that much more frustrated. But ultimately, this restaurant called American Chicken Bunker is built on top of this this site, like noticeably, where these teenagers were trying to consummate, you know, this relationship. And a lot of weird things happen in this restaurant that uh, let me just kind of go through quickly because I can oh, tell every. Everyone is wishing they probably hadn't eaten what they did this evening. A couple things that happen. A man actually ends up in a meat grinder and is turned into Sloppy Joe's at one point. Okay. Uh, And this is, this happens because a chicken breast comes to life and shoves him in there. Um, Just the breast. Just, just the chicken breast. Okay. Not the whole chicken. Not the whole chicken. Just, okay. Yeah. A a man gets attacked by a chicken that he's attempting to have sex with, which, uh, I'll I'll just kind of let that one dance in your heads for a moment. I won't I won't visually oh, explain goodness. that one. This is like when a small town hooked on phonics um, library employee <laughs> attempts to teach the local PD how to read. Yeah, it's yeah. What's this? Which geographic area is this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. You know, I, I have to check. Down south, I might actually be a little offended by this. <laughs> You know, I don't actually know that answer. Uh, I, I, maybe it's just you know, just just a out of my brain. restaurant in an undisclosed location. Well, We're can, Indian I, burial I can, ground. I can tell you right now, this already sounds like a winner. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, winner, I, I know... winner chicken dinner. <laughs> See, there we go. Everyone gets one. Wow. One. <laughs> <laughs> well. This this is uh, just kind of in my head for a reason, but I, it, it may have been like New York. So I think you're safe. Okay. Um, yeah. 
but unfortunately I'm not because you know that's that's the <laughs> oh. hat I always wear. But For uh the yes. he just spun his hat around and it's yes. New York. Bonnet. Yes, that's right. See, Chris <laughs> is getting it now. <laughs> a few other things that are happening here, though. Yes, the man's attacked by a chicken he's trying to have sex with. Uh and throughout this film, there's this noticeable poisoning of the earth, which if you can't tell by now, uh, it will infiltrate into the food they're serving. And eventually we end up getting these half chicken, half human zombified creatures. Zombies, yes. Yeah, that, that go laying eggs that then spawn more of these zombie chicken human hybrids. So in and, true uh, zombie form, do these chickens move slowly or are they fast? <laughs> No, they they have some movement to them. Okay, yeah. so it's not a true zombie. We're just kind of slow moving. You can run no. from. Also, no, I like the I... bold choice of calling it poltergeist when clearly <laughs> these are not ghosts. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it's the ghost of the the angry spirits that they built ah. this you know this this restaurant on top of. I'm not sure. I don't want to interpret it for them. <laughs> um, but I really say the movie hits a high point where. You know, the, the man who is having sex with the chicken, they do manage to save him by shoving a broomstick up his ass, which, I mean, if that's not glory of special effects, I don't know what is. But uh, it sounds bad. It really does. <laughs> and well, trust me, it is. Great. It is. <laughs> Look, I'm still stuck on the part of the chicken breast attacking the guy, and I'm trying to visualize a chicken breast that, you know, you're about to cook. <laughs> It's not working out very well in my mind. It's not. I'm glad that's what the one you're stuck on. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the imagery of the others is, is probably. Like, uh, yep, that's not, not the better. visual I'm stuck with or haunted by at this point. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I can and, tell you right now, this whole episode is nothing's going to compare to this movie right here nope. because <laughs> this is a tough oh my to follow. God, Mark. Of course. <laughs> Hey, you made me go first. This is not my fault. I'm okay. that choice right now. Oh, oh. He made a bad decision. Well, honestly, right, sidebar, I'm, sidebar, sidebar. They're okay. talking to each other again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, for those of you watching the or listening to the podcast, Chris and Leslie just joined forces in the middle of their screen. I was whispering loud enough they could hear me. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, dude, really, this is one of those movies where um, I've seen plenty of campy horror before. I Nothing I had done in my career up to this point prepared me for what I saw in this movie. And there's just, there's no, there's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing that can you can do that'll ever, like, put you in front of this and go, yep, yep, I've seen that before, because trust me, you haven't. Yeah, I could say if I woke up with my head stapled to the carpet tomorrow morning, I would not be nearly surprised over what you just, you know, told us about this movie. Oh, at minimum, you'd be leaning there, you know, halfway on the ground, and you'd just go, fascinating, you know? <laughs> I don't and, even know if you go fascinating at that point. It's just like, uh, okay. <laughs> now, for those of you listening and, you know, the ones that can see us and everything, the whole time Mark is ex describing this um, film – I'm shaking my head, and this, as I said earlier, this is coming from the guy who scored a movie called Snake Out of Compton, <laughs> in which there's one scene in this movie, no lie, the one of the characters has sex with the giant snake. Poltergeist has completely one up to that entire experience. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I, I would love, I would love to leave it with that. 
However, <laughs> oh, there's more. There's dot, dot, dot. More. Oh. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. This this is actually the stuff that that isn't ri- ridiculously over the top. Oh, God. So there's actually references within Poultrygeist that reference other major trauma films. If you're if you're interested in looking at them, because what trauma films likes to do is be very self-referential to all the films they produced, and that's not because they're great. That's just because it's they think they're the you know the B movie Marvel or the C or D or however far down the alphabet you want to go. That's not at the top, and. <laughs> What's really cool about this, though, I was watching this to, to kind of look for references the first time. And the main character actually wears the I Love the Monster Hero shirt, which is a nod to uh, Toxic Avenger. Mm-hmm. Um, there's posters of Tromeo and Juliet that show up uh, when nature calls. There's DVD copies of <laughs> Tales from the Crapper. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> these, are, these are high-flying, award-winning trauma films. Very highbrow, high art. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> and when he said award-winning, he's not lying. <laughs> like the Razzies, they dominate every year. Uh, there was some controversy, hey, hey, though. Yeah. There's, there's controversy in 2011 for this film, though. As I mentioned, it came out in 2006, and it would appear again, but not in front of anyone on, on films. Um, what would end up happening in 2011, a DVD cleaning kit where you take the disc, the DVD disc, you insert it into your player, and it automatically cleans it for you, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow, Several of these DVD kits, uh, I believe it was like in Southern California, were prepackaged with Poultrygeist instead of the cleaner disc. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so people who were <laughs> hopelessly trying to clean their DVDs were greeted to oh, Poultrygeist. And now, what yeah. now? I gotta ask this though. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I gotta ask this now. There, with, with some DVDs, you know, sometimes it pops up with the menu and everything else. But was it one of these DVDs where the movie just started playing? I'm not, sh- <laughs> I'm not sure, Chris, but you can only imagine if it did because I described to you what the intro of this movie was exactly. That's, that's what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and that's potentially a direct yeah. to disc feature that went directly to the feature. There was no yes. time to mess around <laughs> yeah. with menus. They yes. need to save money, so there is no money. <laughs> yes. Now, oh, man. There are plenty of geopolitical things that happen in this movie that are ridiculous and over the top that I won't mention. There's plenty of offensive things that are also included in there, but for people who have seen this movie, even they realize that these offensive, like, you know, appropriation-based things aren't even really the focus of the movie. Uh, someone just threw them in there, they, they show up for a minute and they leave. So... The thing you really need to look for are people who are exploding because they're laying chicken eggs from the inside out, and uh, it's it's really gross. <laughs> my hat is off to you. Thank you for listening to my absolutely ridiculously over the top movie poultry geist. Wow! I just tried to picture like the poor kid that with the family got this DVD cleaner thing. It would be a great thing. A kid goes to clean the first DVD. I wonder what poultry geist is. I'll go ahead and put this in. <laughs> yes and, and that's how the new serial killer was started because he watched <laughs> poultry guys at the very beginning yes he didn't even make the whole movie he just saw the beginning <laughs> <laughs> oh i oh, okay so let, let's let's rewind a little bit and go back to when i was talking about that i would see this pop up on fangoria all the time and everything else uh i'm glad i didn't watch this movie uh, that sounds horrible. 
hats off to Lloyd Kaufman for actually, you know, having the guts to put this out there. But no, <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Man. Imagine this, Chris. Imagine if I don't want to. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if somebody came to you with this idea and you thought, you know what? Why don't we let's let's dip into the savings, honey. Let's put off retirement. <laughs> I need a score. What? Oh, oh no. I need some music. Oh, and if they came to me and wanted me to score this movie, it'd be one of those. I just had to sit there and really think about I need it. You do to I catch... want to do this? And they ask you, I need you to catch the ambiance now yes. of chicken zombies <laughs> attacking people. Yeah. Re- re- hey, hey, I'm going I'm to use a really weird voice here. I don't know why. I Chris, I want you to really think about what the movie would sound like if you have a man's penis inside of chicken, what would that look like on screen? And what would it sound like? A lot of tubas. A lot of tubas. And then the only hope was a broom. (laughs) Could stop the whole thing. The only thing I could say this bloke is a broom to the arsehole. What can you do with that? You sound like just like this bizarre, like underworld perverted Michael Caine. Right, I thought the same thing. We can make our own campy movie, and that's be Mark the whole time. There you go. I could do the intro. I would score it. I would score it. So we're good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's what happens when you let me go first. Who is up next? All right, Joe. This Uh, is this is your wheelhouse, buddy. That's right. I will go. My time to shine, and. What, what kind of stinks is that I don't know why somehow I missed the idea that we were supposed to think of two movies for this um, because I definitely was torn between two and settled on the one. So if we get around to doing two, I can only very loosely describe the other one that I absolutely love. Um, <laughs> but mine uh, is a, I guess, a more recent, uh, more recent film because it was made in the past two decades. It came out in 2002, and I remember watching this with my friends. We used to basically – in uh, in high school, we had uh, converted this piece of my parents' farm property into an area where we could watch movies and drink lots and lots of soda and just get totally weird, um, and no one would know we were doing it because the soda was definitely beer. So we were just back there <laughs> drinking, watching movies, having a great time. Uh, and this was like an opening room of the night <laughs> where um, it is a Bruce Campbell film where he plays Elvis and he's living ah. in a retirement home that is being haunted by a mummy. And since this mummy is of Egyptian descent, it goes with the name of Hotep. Uh, but it's also a Southern mummy. So it uses the name Bubba as well. And this is of course the classic Bubba Hotep. This movie is awesome. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. <laughs> it is amazing. I love the movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you picked it. Yes. It's, it's like, it's <laughs> unbelievable, like, how believable Bruce Campbell is as Elvis in this movie. It is. That was the craziest thing about watching that movie was the fact that Bruce Campbell sounded and acted just like uh elvis Mm -hmm. and despite this being a very campy movie his like impersonation of elvis isn't actually campy it's like not over the top it is just spot on really well done elvis presley 
So when you look at like the the premise of the movie, I have given over the whole idea of like you know there's this this mummy like basically at a retirement home, but you may be asking yourself, what is Elvis doing there? Because he's supposed to be dead. Well, <laughs> as is this it, the afterlife? <laughs> as it would turn out, Elvis was very sick of the fame, very sick of the concerts, the movies, the ridiculous copious sex with women whose names he never got, and he just wanted to be done with it all. So he went on a cross-country tour looking at Elvis impersonators, where he found the <laughs> best one, who is also played by Bruce Campbell. And <laughs> he gets this other impersonator to agree on a contract that they would switch spots so that he would become the Elvis impersonator and the impersonator would become Elvis. And this way, he could just get back to enjoying the music he once loved to make. And... This was all going fine and well, but due to a freak barbecue accident, he lost his contract he'd made with a man, which, if you've seen this movie, it is a glorious barbecue accident. Where barbecue accident. <laughs> he's like grilling hot dogs. Hey, bar hey barbecue accidents are a real thing. Yeah, okay? that's nothing. That's nothing. That's so, yeah. <laughs> so Cat he's like, Blaze. He in the house. It's like I've got a blade, Dad. What? Blaze. <laughs> Strong words there, Dad. <laughs> But you seem to be like he's like horribly grilling hot dogs and then like they're beyond burnt and he's flipping them anyway and he's using lighter fluid on his barbecue on his grill and then he just kind of leaves it like on its side and fluids just dripping out. So of course like he goes to talk to people at a picnic table and then the the grill and his trailer just go up in flames. So <laughs> he can no longer really switch back to being the real Elvis. So he decides he's gotta go on the road as you know, the Elvis impersonator to make his money. And in a freak gyrating accident, he breaks his hip, falls <laughs> off stage, and um, ends up in a coma and winds up in this East Texas uh, retirement home. Yes, that, and not to be uh, left out, it's the Shady Rest Retirement Home. Yes. Yeah. Shady <laughs> Now, now the rest is his, his, his uh, friend. Yes. yes. Yeah, because if this was story was not unbelievable enough, it turns out also <laughs> in this retirement home is JFK. Which you may also be saying, but Joe, JFK is definitely dead. We saw that happen. Actually, this has got to be the afterlife. Yeah. yeah no. No. Afterlife. <laughs> no. That was fake. Whole thing was fake. He never actually got shot. But um, Lyndon B. Johnson did have a small scandal going on where he actually, when they brought JFK back from the faked um, assassination, he did actually take his brain out of his body and replaced it with a bag of sand. <laughs> and then because of the genius of it all, they, and I quote, died him. Died so that... Because he is played by a black actor. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he's played by Ozzy Davis. Um, oh, and, I love Ozzy Davis. You know, he's such a good actor, and he does just an amazing part in this in this like movie as a plausible like I'm in this retirement home. I swear to God, I'm insane. No one believes me, and it's just a touch under George Costanza, who's been admitted to the mm -hmm. hospital by Steinbrenner. Um, so these two then notice that like one by one, like they just seem to be like members just of the retirement home seem to be dying. And like most people just don't even think about it, including the staff, because, well, they're old. They're just going to die. And so we start seeing also these, what they say, these giant flying cockroaches, which turn out to be scarabs. 
because, of course, it's heralding in Bubba Hotep. Um, and it is up to Elvis and JFK <laughs> to put an end to, which, by the way, they don't actually say Bubba Hotep until literally the last, like, 30 minutes of this movie. Until then, they just refer to the mummy as a soul sucker. And because the soul's not very big, but Bubba Hotep can't walk very well, it can be sucked out of any orifice of the body, but one is just more convenient than the others. Mm. And that's the butthole. <laughs> Why did both of our movies involve undead things in buttholes being mixed together like that? Um, the opening monologue of Elvis is him complaining about a, um, um, a growth on his penis as well. Yep, that's, that's lovely. Yep, and then when he uh, he sees a young woman bend over in front of him, he says he feels it move like a pigeon with a heart attack fluttering just before death. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's Watch poetry it. right there. <laughs> right? Yeah. You got that in interpretive dance. Now, <laughs> the, the folks listening, they, they can't see what I'm doing, but I was, I was giving Joe De Niro face there for a minute, like just the, you know... <laughs> Okay. Right. That's what we're doing. All right. Uh, so oh, yeah. that is that is that is my pick. Um. So unlike Mark's movie, <clears throat> this movie did turn a profit. It had a budget of one million dollars, and it made a staggering one point two million dollars. Mm. So everyone got their money back, and just a bit more. And we call that stonks. Profit. Good investment. <laughs> Good profit. Good profit there. Yeah, and even like. Like, um, like usually with campy movies go, like you see reviews of them and they're usually, they're bashed, but at the same time, like this is, this movie's stupid, but we absolutely love it. Roger Ebert himself loved this movie and went on <laughs> to say how, um, again, like Bruce Campbell and, uh, everyone in this, like in this movie, like plays everything very believable. But at the same time, he does say that the movie itself doesn't work because it's not really horror as in like, it's not. At no point are you actually terrified of this movie. Um, but then again, like, you know, most campy horror movies, I guess, like, I don't know, like the higher brow ones, like Friday the 13th, that's campy, and at the same time could still be scary. Poultrygeist, we are only afraid for our sanity. But the movie itself, <laughs> not so much. Um, and and this, this kind of works in the same vein as that. Now, there, there is a little bit of film history that I think we should point out here, okay? Now, just like with a lot of these like goofy comedies and horror movies, sometimes they just kind of throw things out there at the end to see if it'll catch people's attention. And when Bubba Hotep came out, they didn't actually know if it was going to be positively received or not. And we almost ended up getting what was called Bubba Nosferatu Curse of the She Vampires, which <laughs> I'm not making this up. <laughs> I wish I was, but it actually had Paul Giamatti attached to it at one point. No Ron way. Ron Perlman was attached oh, to it at one that point I too. Believe, and I wish he would have been in there. I love, yeah, Ron, he, I love Ron Perlman. <laughs> he would have been the role of Elvis. Um, and uh, Giamatti was actually attached to this for several years as recently as 2013 or 2014, right in that area. So he was like gunning for this, trying to get funding. They never could. Mm -hmm. But in 2018, there was a five issue uh, series of this that came out um, by IDW. So they published uh, Bubba Hotep and the Cosmic Bloodsuckers. Well, I need to and, find this uh, freaking, <laughs> I need to find that series. <laughs> I, the only reason why I knew about it, I walked into, um, I, I walked into like, I, it wasn't Barnes and Noble. It was just like a copy shop. And I see this and I go, 
I didn't remember ever hearing about this. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how did this happen? So it's out there. Definitely take a look at it. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I think I want to say that Bubba Hotep even crossed over with Army of Darkness at one point. That as he should. <laughs> like Bruce Campbell should exactly. be able to see himself in a crossover like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. That happened. Uh, that happened like a couple of years after the uh the, the Bubba Hotep and Cosmic Bloodsuckers thing. So there's more well, stuff I, to, to follow. I know why Paul Giamatti was attached because he did um uh, what was it? John dies at the end, which was also by Don uh, Coscarelli, who did the Phantasm series. And uh, what what's great since we are a film scoring podcast, uh, Brian Tyler did the music for Bubba Hotep, mm-hmm. who is best known for Fast and the Furious Ooh, nice. and Assassin's Creed Four, Black Flag. We did a composer showcase on him. And, I mean, a, a huge, huge composer, and he did. Uh, Bubba Hotep, and he also John dies at the end. And uh, I, I remember one of the things he was talking about on the behind the scenes of this movie or here about when he was scoring it, that he would sit there in his car and come up with the themes, and then he would call himself on his phone, sing the theme or the music that he had in his head into his answering machine just so he could cope back and be like, all right, now this is what I got to play. I <laughs> <laughs> love all the roundabout ways to do things. This is like when you like you saw people at the start of the pandemic, like um, like having like meetings like we're having right now, and to get a picture of it, they take their phone and they take a picture of it. It's like it's a button. You can screen capture it, and that way it's there without you doing this. I can't say anything because I still do that for for the podcast on Twitter. So. <laughs> the, the only thing that's popping in my head is like. You don't need conventional composing methods when you got family. <laughs> that's, that's all I can think of. Poor family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all wow. Right. So then, now, now that Mark and I have gone, we've come, we've come back to where we were going to start. And let's increase <laughs> the, t- like, right. the the con is yours. So I'm going to let Leslie. Go first on this one. So <laughs> I'm not a big horror movie person, um, but I have noticed that I will watch a comedic horror movie every once in a while. So, you know, when y'all were uh, coming up with this idea of doing campy uh, things, the first thing that came to my mind was Tucker and Dale versus. Oh, yes. yes. I love that movie and it's campy in its nature. Um, so it came out in two th- uh, 2010. And I'm going to read to you the uh, synopsis off of uh, INDB. It says, um, Hillbillies Tucker and Dale are on vacation after a dilapidated mountain cabin when they are mistaken for murderers by a group of preppy college students. (laughs) Now, there is another (laughs) summary on here, and it says, written by Tucker. Two lovable (laughs) hillbillies are headed to their fixer-upper vacation (laughs) cabin to drink some beer do some fishing and have a good time. But when they run into a group of preppy college kids who assume from their looks that they must be inbred, chainsaw-wielding killers, Tucker and Dale's vacation takes a bloody and hilarious turn for the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. Um, Because, you know, I, I think that deep down, 
there is a seriousness to it as far as stereotypes are concerned and how people will judge others by their appearance. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of that with these preppy college students because Tucker and Dale, they look like just your normal hillbillies, you know, and they've got these thick Southern accents and, you know, but if you watch the movie, you know, you see that truly they have good hearts. They're trying to fix up this cabin (laughs) that, you know, they, they, they fix their upper vacation home that they were excited about. But things take a turn for the worst because one of their friends ends up in the cabin. She has an accident and they find her and they wanted to try to make sure she was okay. So she ends up in the cabin. Well, the preppy kids think that Tucker and Dale wanted to kill her or do something bad to her. So they kept trying to come at them to save their friend and they end up killing themselves. And I think the funniest scene, in my opinion, is where one of the college kids falls into the wood chipper and he says these college kids are hurling themselves into my wood chipper my favorite part though is the kids legs are sticking out yes gushing out and then he's uh, trying to save him he's like hey you okay yeah (laughs) and that was that was was that alan tudyk's character doing that yeah Yeah, that was was character and and he's like he just locked himself into the wood chipper right (laughs) They must have a suicide pact or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember it, it was another one of those websites. It was uh, upcominghorrormovies.com. And they were talking about Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You guys watch this movie. And I'm like, what in the hell is Tucker and Dale versus Evil? And, th- and I see the DVD out. You know, I'm like, okay, fine. It's like $7.50 at Walmart. Fine, I'll buy it. Okay. Popped it in, the movie starts up, and you know, you get the somewhat very cheesy scene of the college kids, and they're like, We forgot the bear, and you get this really bad acting moment there, and, and then you see Tucker and Dale drive by. And then when it gets to the part where Alan Tudyk and um Tyler um Levine start talking, and it was like, Wait a minute, so this is what the movie's about. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, what, what kind of movie? I'm like, I thought this was a horror movie. So then, you know, when, when the kids start dying, it's like what yeah it's it's hilarious how much it escalates right like it's, it escalates really quickly too yeah oh yeah 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 totally yeah i, I remember you oh yeah yeah saws into a beehive yeah <laughs> all stolen. so i this is another one of those movies that i i ended up seeing uh a preview for on a dvd i can't remember which one and um at that point in time, I only knew Alan Tudyk, you know, for for Firefly, mm-hmm. but Tyler Labine would end up being the dude that like I would end up following from this because uh, he would go on to be in like you know several different TV shows. I was a really big fan of uh, his his appearances in Reaper and, and Deadbeat. I don't know if you all remember the Hulu show Deadbeat, where he plays a a medium who sells his services for hire. Um, <laughs> no. But he his his comedic chops are just ridiculously off the charts, and him and Tudyk together, I can only imagine what that set must have been like for this movie. It's just so damn funny. You probably couldn't keep a straight face. It's really good. <laughs> if you own the movie, I I definitely suggest watching the movie with the commentary on because all it is is director Eli Craig, Tyler Levine, and Alan Tudyk. Oh, that is that's it. Brilliant. Oh. <laughs> no, it, it, is, it is comedy because. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Alan Tudyk's name, to Dick, and they yeah. keep going with that joke right there <laughs> throughout the entire commentary. So, <laughs> so it's a great movie. I it, love it. it. Yeah, that. Yeah, I'm glad you picked that one. 
that's the first one well, that came to mind. I'm like, I got it. I got one. I'd also I'm like gonna... that this is the first movie so far that involved no weird butt stuff. Right. Exactly. So, if, right. so far, this is the cleanest movie of the picks. Where like I think it's we a good recommendation went... to the general public. <laughs> <laughs> because it went from bad to tolerable. <laughs> yeah, we're going up. It's a good trend. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey. hey. Okay, so for some behind the scenes really quick, or I should say some post-production stuff. Now, to back up Leslie on this one, there was supposed to be a potential sequel here mm-hmm. where the movie uh, would have ended up having the guys go to Yale where they wanted it to be like Goodwill Hunting and Texas Chainsaw Massacre having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alan Tudyk actually wanted to make it more of a From Dust Till Dawn type of film. Okay. And, uh, and it ended up being in like production hell up until 2015 2016 i believe and then it just kind of died on the vine so no one was really happy with the script and so we just never got it i would have watched it yes i I think i think this is one of those movies that i think if they try to do a sequel now it will probably fall flat yeah it will Mm -hmm. not have the same charm that it did the first time around Mm -hmm. kind of like super troopers too well, yeah fine. and okay it should have been made about 15 years ago <laughs> right they waited uh, too long fun fact about super troopers too a friend of mine actually worked on that movie he was the uh canadian version of farva nice he's one of the bounties <laughs> yes uh paul walter hauser i've worked with him on a reality show and paul has paul's career is just like really taken off and um him. he he ended up playing richard jewell in the the film by clint eastwood that's right yeah so uh when that's that's the thing with paul i was like i see him pop up on on stuff all the time now it's like cobra kai popped up i'm like i didn't know paul was in this center watching superstore he pops up in super troopers with the same way so i'll see paul pop up i'm going okay (laughs) (laughs) like hey buddy i'll send him a message on instagram every so hey buddy hey (laughs) i don't get much So that was my pick. Go okay. Chris. I don't want to hear this because I know which one you're going to pick. Actually, no, I'm not going to pick the one that you think I was going to pick. What? Yep. I had, I had two in mind, and it was um, Joe's singing right before we started recording that made me change my mind. Uh, <laughs> dang it, I ruined it. No, no, no. You made it better. Ooh. You made it better. But I will not be talking about the first film in this franchise. We've been talking about the third. Ah. This is nineteen ninety one Critters Three. Yeah, I love it. I will be reading. <clears throat> I gotta get my my voice ready for this one. I will be reading from the IMDb plot: the tiny furball aliens that will eat anything or anyone set their sights on a Los Angeles apartment tower. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> okay the reason why i picked this one because joe started singing power of the night from the first critters film and i have been a huge fan of the critter fran- critters franchise for the longest time so and another reason why i picked this one because this was the feature film debut of academy award-winning actor leonardo dicaprio i never oh, watched yeah. you fail miserably yeah, no <laughs> your movie so this was the first of the direct-to-video sequels for Critters. Critters 1 and 2 came out in the theaters. Critters 3 and 4 were shot back-to-back 
1991 and 92. Now, this was New Line's attempt at, well, a lot of people say this was New Line's attempt at Gremlins, mm -hmm. although the script to Critters was written way before Gremlins. I love the Critters franchise, and the third one went so above and beyond to the point where we have the tiny little aliens farting after eating a bunch of beans inside the kitchen. <laughs> Not kidding. Not kidding. So aliens, I guess, fart. Yeah, yeah. Especially when they eat a lot of chili bean. <laughs> <laughs> but this was, this was... So <laughs> the story is a family, uh, a father, single father, has two kids and he just came back from a trip from the Grand Canyon and they stopped by the legendary Grover's Bend, Kansas, where the tiny little aliens are uh, running amok. And that's where they meet Leonardo DiCaprio's character. I mean, fresh off of grown pains at this point. And then they, the alien somehow leaves what, like two or three eggs up under the truck. And then the truck lands into the Los Angeles apartment complex that is being, um, uh, how do I put this? They're being evicted, basically, and uh, by this tyrant landlord who turns out to be Leonardo DiCaprio's father, stepfather in the film. So the aliens grow to be bigger size and everything else, and that's when the furballs start coming, having start having characteristics. One of them rolls into a thing of Clorox, and then he gets the white streak, kind of like stripe from gremlins oh, yeah. and one that eats the dishwasher soap so he starts burping bubbles through the whole movie and then as the one i mentioned earlier where he eats a bunch of chili beans and becomes the gassy one <laughs> <laughs> roger ebert actually liked this movie uh he said that it was basically a low budget diehard with aliens oh, I love it. <laughs> so i'm trying to think that roger ebert actually really likes like bad movies at heart and he just pretends like all of like the academy right. award winners. like no 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 like yeah i, I suppose what... this is a thumbs up but seriously hear me out <laughs> critters fucking three yeah like exactly. he, he just after the movie ended he just went and ate a bunch of beans farted around his house and and just put bleach in his hair to get that white streak going exactly <laughs> Exactly. But he had a little bubble machine going because he didn't want to eat the dishwasher soap. Understandable. He does have a job to maintain. He can't be exactly. going around bubble farting bubble. and blowing oh, bubbles. Bubble Sorry, bubble pipe. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yes, and that way it's classy too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he still looks That's professional, true. but he blows bubbles at the same time. <laughs> now, I, the, the puppetry effects are still very solid for this movie. Mm -hmm. It's um, very seldom do you see like the wires or the hands or anything like that. They they did a very good job. It's still to this day did a great job of, you know, just basically using the puppets and everything else. And it was it was fun. It was, it's still a fun movie. If you just turn your brain off and sit down and watch it, mm -hmm. the movie's fun. It really is. I, I still enjoy it, not just because I'm a big fan, but just because it's fun. Yeah. And so, Joe... Thank you for singing Power of the Night. I've been waiting to do that literally since we did the Firefly episode. <laughs> I've been do that so bad. But I, I totally... literally. 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 Since the Firefly literally. episode. <laughs> Chris Traeger. All right. So, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, Critters is definitely like one of those like kind of staple examples of like 80s practical effects 
that yes. like no matter kind of like how great CGI looks, I mean, it just does not have the same effect for our generation as like solid puppetry and solid like uh, like makeup effects. So and I love practical effects. You know, Chris and I have talked about it several times in our podcast. You know, the more practical effects, the better. And it's its own art form too, especially in the older films that are black and white because they didn't have color. So how are you going to show illumination in the film when you don't have color? Or how are you going to, you know, depict that as blood if there is no color? I mean, it is an art form in itself, especially in the eighties with some of the, the movies that, um, you know, we grew up watching it, it, the effects are still as good as they were when we watched them. Unlike some of these newer movies that, you know, for example, I love the mummy a lot. You know, we did mm -hmm. uh, one of the, uh, one of our episodes on the mummy, but some of the effects <laughs> did not age well at all. Not at all. And that's something with, with, you know, with, with critters is the fact that they take this absurd idea of these furball aliens that can roll into a tiny little ball and chase after you while shooting little uh, venomous uh, needles at yeah. you, basically <laughs> like, like a porcupine almost and, and make it seem so realistic at the same time. And, and really think, Oh, this is actually kind of terrifying. It's a little furball with teeth. This is going to be great. <laughs> I, I think that was I think that was due to the special effects team, um, the Kyoto brothers. Uh, okay, you know, which... I was actually wondering who who did this because I didn't know like the amount of like reach that like the you know, the Jim Henson's shop and like Stan Winston had through this era, and this like it looks like you know just as good as like the stuff that you're used to seeing, and like these are the guys who like you know they made Yoda. Um, Stan Winston did the effects for like Alien and Predator. And all of these massive shot and all these massive movies and critters for being a much lower budget than a lot of these, I think does a great job. It does. It does. Well, the Kyoto Brothers, uh, they did the other film that I was going to mention was uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yes. Oh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. That, that was going to be my other pick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why you I was like shaking her head. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. I Go gotta ahead. do. I gotta do the the sound clip that we never actually have a sound clip for, which is me saying "surprise, motherfucker." And I gotta mention <laughs> Arachnophobia from 1980 because this oh, was wow. the one that I, I was really torn on whether or not to pick, make this my pick because you know Poltergeist is so iconic. You know, it's right. if there's I, a Mount Rushmore of horror movies, it's up there. But but you know Arachnophobia, when you started talking about practical effects and mm -hmm. and making things look terrifying. Like, I'm not going to go through all of arachnophobia, mm -hmm. but for those that remember Mythbusters and Jamie Heineman, <laughs> Jamie Heineman created the animatronic spider that crawls up Jeff Daniels in the, in the climax of the movie. And as a child, I wanted to die inside watching <laughs> that scene. <laughs> That's why I never watched it because, you know, down here we have big spiders. Oh, yeah. oh my god yeah, i remember when it coming out i'm like mm -mm, mm -mm. not gonna do it mm -mm. yeah see now the reason why that movie was campy it wasn't just because of some of the the spider happenings that, but i gotta say that for one it had some of the the worst dummies ever made uh when the couple <laughs> irv and blair get killed but one of the worst lines i've ever heard in, in a a horror slash you know thriller movie was when uh the doctor the town doctor whose character's name is sam metcalf gets bit by a spider and his wife goes, what happened? And he goes, 
felt like a damn cougar. Oh and I'm my like, God, I remember that, yeah. Like, what does that even mean? It felt like a cougar? What? <laughs> breaking your flesh? <laughs> in my time as a young man, I got bit on the foot by a cougar. And it felt very much like this. I don't know what where that came from. But God damn it, I love that movie. Oh, I had honorable mention time. I had to throw it out there. And you know, I think I think uh, Leslie and I should do honorable mentions here in a second too with our with our secondary picks. But just another like, I feel like I have to say this with a testament to like practical effects versus like CGI. If you ever want like a good comparison over which one really holds up well, watch The Thing from the eighties, and then yes. watch The Thing from two thousand eleven, <laughs> no. which is the prequel to the eighties movie. And you mm. will see that in the 2011 movie, acting is fine, casting is fine, cinematography great, everything looks fine. But when you see the creature for the first time doing anything, and then the anything after that, in the 1980s with practical effects, when you see it be like, you know, the dog that has the tentacles start shooting out of it, and all the dogs become one big weird dog thing. And then, like, you know, this happens throughout the movie, and you compare that to the first time you see the creature doing anything in the 2011 movie, in the 80s, you're still hooked by it. You're like, holy fuck, this is crazy. This is nuts. Where are we going next? As soon as you see the uh, the creature show up in 2011, movie's over. It's not believable. <laughs> it looks well, awful. Like, nope, I can be done. Fun fact about that movie, they actually shot it with all practical practical effects, universal decided they didn't want to do the practical and they went back and took out all the practical effects and oh. used just cgi effects Poor and toys. the thing was tom woodruff jr and alec gillis when they showed up on the red carpet they didn't know they didn't know this oh had happened God. until they sat down and started to watch the movie and they were like what oh just happened God. i think they use cgi to kind of enhance some of the practical effects every so often but 90% of it, or let's say 85% of it, was all practical effects. And I think, like, toward the end of the movie where you get uh, the shot inside the ship and you get, like, this weird, like, Tetris thing that's happening yeah. as it looks like a bunch of blocks are going on. Apparently, there's supposed to be something completely different there, something, like, grotesque and everything else. Like, you know, it was showing that the thing, this is how he starts and everything else. Mm -hmm. And there, there's been a lot of petitions around on the internet to get this turned into, you know, release the the director's cut, release the, uh, I think they call it the, the, the Alec Gillis and uh, Woodruff cut. Mm -hmm. And Universal still hasn't done it yet. And Alec Gillis and uh, Tom Woodruff actually went, they got so mad about it, they did a Kickstarter and made their own movie called Harbinger Down. Ah. So it's like, you know what? Since you ain't, since you're gonna you know take us off and everything else, we're gonna do our own movie. Sadly, Harbinger Down was not the greatest thing in the world. Uh, I was I was so rooting for the movie, and when I finally got to saw it, I'm like, yes, I watched. It. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> well, we tried. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Million dollars. Whoopsie. My <laughs> accident. Well, Chris and I both shared our honorable mentions. Leslie, Joe, do you have any others you'd like to bring to the table before we, we conclude this evening? My honorable mention is Cabin in the Woods. Uh, mm -hmm. I like that one because of all <laughs> villains you ever think of as in that movie. <laughs> and to me, the greatest part is when the guy gets killed by the mermaid. 
The merman. Mm-hmm. A merman. merman. Excuse me. He's never seen a merman. merman. Out of all merman. of these years, he's never seen a merman. And all of a sudden, he goes, oh, it figures. Then it goes, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> he's it, killed by the merman. I think the unicorn was the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great movie. Freaking unicorn killing people, stabbing them in the head. Oh, that was a gosh. Could you imagine like being the survivor of that movie and then like think of like <laughs> after the movie's done and their funerals for everyone who died and like death by unicorn. That's how he wanted to go out. <laughs> you know, the, the most ironic thing is that the fellow that survived is the one that was high the whole time because yes. the gas didn't have any effect on him because the pot was protecting him from yeah, I guess his olfactory, you know. Mm-hmm. Whatever, however that that the smoke was supposed to affect them, and he's just like, dude, what's going on here? <laughs> he stayed high the whole time, and yet he was a survivor. I think one of the greatest lines in the movie is when Chris Hemsworth was like, "No, I think we should split up." And he get, and then the high got really. Are you sure? <laughs> you know, every horror movie trope ever put into one movie. Right. <laughs> Oh yeah, that reminds me of like the Geico commercial. Um where yeah, like, oh, yeah, they yeah, do yeah. every trope and then like the murderer is eventually like just right behind them and he's like, Are you guys serious? He takes his mask off and he's just shaking his head like really <laughs> I have to kill these people. No, yeah. Wasn't gonna, now I'm gonna. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> one of the, the one of the greatest things from Cabin in the Woods is the old creepy man at the gas station calls the engineers and he's like, Wait, am I on speakerphone? <laughs> <laughs> then he's like the lambs have come too slow wait i'm still on speakerphone <laughs> <laughs> it's a creepy voice love it oh, Great movie. nice right, um, joe what, what have you got left in the tank so mine my honorable mention is a movie that knows it's so ridiculous that the opening monologue that's about i think two minutes long is a man saying sometimes a film comes along it's so ridiculous that it does it completely on purpose and that maybe just maybe you should forget about life for a while and stop thinking of breaking down every single goddamn thing you see in film and just let the movie happen and this is a movie where just after that happens a lone tire rolls across the desert stops, <laughs> and then starts shaking when it sees a rabbit and then suddenly the rabbit just explodes. This movie is called Rubber. Uh, of course you pick this one. <laughs> that's, Robert that's, the Tire. That's all it is. It's a fucking tire that just rolls across the California desert, randomly bumps into whatever little character development's happening among like the human casts, and then just shakes and makes the person blow up. <laughs> Yes. Yep. Hmm. That's this is movie. a real movie. <laughs> the what, the tire how much wins money in the you end. made off of that. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, and, and you get this weird like subplot of like the people watching this happen, and it's supposed to be the audience of the movie, I guess. Yeah, because it's like they're like tourists, right? Like they're going yeah. through the desert on some sort of tour, and they see these things happen, like, and they're they're supposed to be representing us. And what we're thinking while we watch the movie. You know, it, it reminds me, what was that tire company? Was it Goodyear that had the problems years ago of uh, just blowing up? That was Firestone. 
Firestone. Well, this sounds like this could be a, a perfect insert first Firestone commercial. <laughs> Fire just rolling around and shaking and blowing. So wait, wait a minute. What's the, what's, what are they trying to say here? You piss our tires off and they will make you explode. <laughs> like yeah. our tires will already kill you, but now they'll really kill you if you get them right. pissed yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. It's not, not the tires blowing up, it's you blowing up. Don't see right? us. <laughs> They're no longer on the cars. They're angry. <laughs> One of the things I found funny about this movie was that uh, the director said it was it was almost impossible to make a remote controlled tire because it was difficult to hide the mechanisms in it. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like going, wait, wait, wait. So it was practical. It's like, yeah, the tire was practical almost the entire movie. Like the CGI was all like based on heads exploding. Yep. So. I mean, so you had I, what, a big guy behind the scene, like, let's roll it this direction. Yeah, <laughs> and it had to be it. He's like, "All right, yeah. Dale, throw the tire." Okay, bounce this bounce way. And roll. <laughs> I need you to bounce the tire. Oh, well, no, 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 making it was difficult, but they still managed to pull it off. So, oh, good. but <laughs> which I wonder if you watch through like the credits of this movie, if there is a tire wrangler. <laughs> and that's the specific title title wrangler tire wrangler <laughs> catch a tire <laughs> falls off the cliff <laughs> well, what a hell of a way to wrap up some movies that hopefully folks have either not heard of and now they can go check out or maybe they haven't seen in a very long time mm -hmm. and want to give it a another another viewing but for tonight we can't thank y'all enough, Chris and Leslie. It's been wonderful to have you back for really a non-music oriented discussion, but it's still wove back in, which I was really, like really happy to kind of have come back up. But before we go, we would love to give you the floor as we'd love to do for our guests. If you can tell us about what's going on with your show, um, anything kind of new that's going on, and we'll, we'll let you have it before we roll things up here. Well, our last episode that we just released was our composer showcase and interview with two-time Academy Award nominated composer Marco Beltrami. Uh, that was that was kind of a big thing for our podcast, and we're really excited to do that. Um, we have one more episode that we're going to be coming out with, and we might be taking a short break uh, for a little bit because just kind of life's kind of getting in the way just a little bit. Uh, yeah, our, our podcast is measuring the score. I'm a film composer. Leslie is a musician. And we talk about film scores and the films they are for and try to offer any kind of uh, some sort of ranking, I guess you could say. Right, Leslie? Well, it's a, kind of like a, a, a scoring matrix. So, we, you know, we, we, we listen to the movie and we put it through what we consider is our test. And we, uh, you know, three criteria, uh, we filter it through to see if it works for the film. Um, we listen to the score independently and then we listen to the score with the movie and then we'll see if it works with the movie and then we'll apply our three criteria to see if, um, you know, it, it works or not. Now, granted, Chris and I are married, so some of our opinions <laughs> are not the same. No, we always agree. What are you talking about? What? <laughs> you take those rose colored glasses off, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And you can find our podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts at. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Facebook is just type in Measuring the Score podcast. Same with Instagram and Twitter. We are at Measure the Score. Uh, you can also send us an email, measuringthescore at gmail.com. So that's pretty 
much it <laughs> nice and hey and if you're looking through their catalog you'll notice that we joined for a bonus episode uh, on their previous season for planes trains and automobiles as we navigated what was kind of a a unique scenario uh for a film score slash soundtrack so that was uh, that was a fun time and once again it, yeah it's it's great to have you all back uh, one thing we do like to do here with our guests when we have them on is they can give you the opportunity to do the sign off for us with our our typical way of signing off that we used to do in post so for those if you don't know it it's okay uh so yeah go ahead chris and leslie take it away for digital dissection keep on dissecting is that right keep on keep on keep on <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is, I like it, it works.